Welcome to Pastor Bill's Classroom. We are in our study of the Corinthian Letters, Lesson 45, entitled, And in the Body Experience, Part 6. Hello everyone, welcome back to our midweek study, Bible study. We're in the book of 1 Corinthians, we're going to be in chapter 12, we've been there for a while now, actually chapter 12 for a while now. Uh, now our fifth, sixth installment, looking at what I'm calling the end of the body experience, looking at the gifts of the Holy Spirit, we're going to continue in that direction today. Uh, so get a Bible and uh, be ready for that. But uh, before we do anything else, let's pray together. God, we just open our hearts to you, our minds. God, we know that you're the one who teaches us the truth. We can't get truth from anything else, and any truth that there is has come from you. So help us to assimilate this, God, in such a way that it would be beneficial to your kingdom and to your people. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to be in chapter 12. Of 1 Corinthians, we're going to read down. We've been reading through verses 1 through 11 a couple times together. We're just going to do it again because we need to have this refreshed in our memory, and then we can go back and, and discuss the things that we're, that we're reading. Chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to the dumb idols, whoever, uh, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of ministries, and the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For no one is given the word of wisdom, for one to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healings by the, same, by the one Spirit. To another, the effecting of miracles. And to another, prophecy. And to another, distinguishing of spirits. And to another, various kinds of tongues. And to another, the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things distributing to each one individually just as he wills. So we're continuing, like I said, in this topic of uh, spiritual gifts. And we started last time looking at the service gifts, the, the support gifts. These are typically unseen or not readily seen gifts, but they make up the vast majority of the giftedness of the body of Christ. Typically, we, when we think about giftedness, we think of, of pastors and, and uh, different church leaders, and certainly those are representative of gifts. Uh, used fully in the body. But what about the rest of the membership? They're all gifted. It says of each one, God gives a gift. Most of those gifts, at least just by observation, are support gifts. Uh, I say that to say uh, just simply this. These gifts are analogous, if you will, we talked last time, to the structure gifts, uh, or I should say structure of a building. I call them, I refer to them in many, many ways as structure gifts. They're analogous to, if you will, as this, in this case of the building that I'm in right now to cement, to wood, to, to sheetrock. It's not why you build a building. You don't build a building and look at the cement. You don't build a building and look at the sheetrock or to look at the wooden studs. You build those things to, really to support their structure, to cover so that they can, we can have something to hang our paint and pictures and furnishings to sit in and our carpet to be laid on. Uh, they're, they're, they're the behind the scenes, although they make up 95% or more of the construction, they're behind the scenes. Remember, our main ministry, the, the, 
the paint and furnishings gifts of the ministry are our main ministry. Our, our commission is given to us by the one who saved us, Jesus. Matthew 28, verses 19 through 20. Take a look. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing. How do you do that? You have to teach them. You have to preach to them. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them, here it is again, to follow all that I commanded you, and behold, I am with you to the end of the age. This is our commission. Our main ministry, hear me, is a spoken ministry. Thus, the teaching gifts, the preaching gifts, the instructing gifts, the, the discipleship gifts, if you will, are, are the main ministry. Same was true, I should say, the point of the spear. The, the, the tip of the spear is these teaching and preaching and instruction and discipleship gifts. Same was true of Jesus in his ministry. Jesus did lots of things. It, it, Jesus demonstrated, by the way, all the gifts. How, how, can, he de how can one person, the Son of God, but how, how can he give all the, each one of us only have one of these gifts? Jesus had all of them. How can he do that? Because he's the Son of God. He possessed all of them. He operated in all these gifts. They were not gifts to him. They're his possessions. They're gifts to us uh, because he's the one who's given us. But, but notice, his, his ministry was a speaking, primarily speaking and preaching ministry. Uh, Mark chapter 1, Jesus came into Galilee, notice, preaching the gospel and saying, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe the gospel. That was the whole point. Everything else that he did supported this ministry. Everything else, miracles, healings, uh, Anything that he did was supportive of him preaching the truth so that people would understand and ultimately believe. Again, these are just a smattering of verses. We could have gone to just dozens of them if we needed to, but no, not necessary. Luke 4.43, Jesus said to them, I must also preach the kingdom of God to other cities because I was sent to, for that purpose. He doesn't say he must go and heal people. He must go and perform miracles. No, he must teach. Now, as he went, he also did miracles, but... His main ministry was preaching and teaching. Likewise, what is the main ministry of his body, the church? Preaching and teaching. Making disciples. Everything else, every other gift is in support of that commission that he has given to us. Makes sense. We're the body of Christ. We're going to do the same things that Jesus did. What did he major on? Preaching and teaching. He minded on everything else. All, everything else was in support of that preaching and teaching ministry. One more verse just to support that position. Luke 8. Verse 1, Jesus began going around from city to city and village, one village to another, proclaiming and preaching the kingdom of God, and the twelve were with him. That's what he did. That was his main thrust. Likewise, that is the main thrust of the body of Christ. Our main ministry is to reach people with the truth. All other ministries and gifts are for the purpose of supporting that singular ministry. Thus, the speaking gifts are the upfront gifts because speaking, communicating the truth is what is up front. So let's make sure that we, as, we, as they say, keep the main thing the main thing. When something other than the main thing becomes the main thing, then you cease to be biblical and you're outside of the scriptures. And you're outside, uh, especially, of the desire of our Savior. And that's a problem. As we saw last time, there are no such thing in the Bible, nor today, I would say, very carefully. There is no such thing as a healing ministry or a miracles ministry. That is, as opposed to a lot of these guys and gals on television saying that they have those kind of ministries. And I would say to you very clearly, when they say that, they're telling you that they're false teachers. They're not in agreement with the Scriptures. 
Be careful of those kind of people. They are not in agreement with the Scriptures. Whether they're intentionally going against the Scriptures or not, that's for God to decide, but I'm telling you, don't listen to what they say. They're off. Definitely off. They're not doing what Jesus commissioned the church to do. They're not doing what Jesus did. Boom! Don't need any more information than that. So certainly Jesus and his apostles performed healings and miracles everywhere they went. Those healings and miracles are in support of their preaching, teaching, and discipleship ministries. Again, all these are support gifts. They're not upfront gifts. The upfront gift of Jesus was preaching and teaching. Again, look there at Luke 8, uh, verse 1 that we just read. So we are commissioned to bring people to faith in Christ and make them followers of Christ. And as healings and miracles, tongues, prophecy, and faith, and all these other things, gifts are useful to that end, they're employed and distributed to the body as God so chooses, as it says there in verse 11. God's people in the Bible had gospel ministries in which healings and miracles were incidental. They did not have healings and miracles ministries in which the gospel was incidental. That's off. That's not right. And those who do the opposite, listen, are false teachers looking to promote themselves and not the cause of Christ. Be careful. Be careful. Just because they banner about a name and has a so-called ministry and pull the Bible out, but they're not following the Bible, don't listen to them. Be careful. These gifts are a place where we need to be very discerning. We're going to see the gift of discernment here before we're done uh, today. So obviously, when a healing or a miracle is performed, true for Jesus, true for his disciples, that person and that event, that miracle or healing, is pushed to the front and say, well, these are upfront ministries because they're pushed to the front. No, they gain attention so that we can have what is really upfront, which upfront. That is, there's a healing in the Bible or, or, or a miracle performed so that people will believe the truth of what these guys have been speaking because that's the tip of the spear. Again, our, our mission, our commission is to bring people to faith in Christ so that they are transformed, so that they're changed into the children of God. Again, obviously, healings and miracles uh, become pushed up front. But if you think about it, if we healed the entire world and, and did miracles in front of the entire world, but we did not bring them the transforming truth of the Word of God and they died without Jesus, they'd go to hell. We've done them no good. We've done them no good. Our, our ministry is not a temporary transformation. That's what a healing does. That's what a miracle does. It's just temporary. I mean, you think about it. The people whom Jesus healed later on got sick and died. They did. It was a temporary ministry. The, the miracles that Jesus, the people that Jesus raised from the dead eventually died again. It was a temporary ministry for support of for the purpose of supporting a permanent eternal ministry, which was the transformation of them hearing the truth of what he was teaching and what he was preaching. Likewise, it's the same is true uh, with the New Testament church that Jesus has called us to, to operate in. Jesus performed the miracles that he did so that people would believe the message that he preached. Look at what it says here, John 14, verses 10 through 12. Do not, Jesus is speaking here. Do you not believe that I am in the Father? The Father is in me. This is what he's been preaching. This is what he's been teaching. This is the truth. The truth will make you free, right? It's the transformation. Not healings will make you free. Miracles don't make you free. Being raised from the dead will make you free. The truth will make you free. He's been speaking to the truth. Do you not believe that I'm in the Father? The Father is in me. 
The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own, but the Father, as he remains in me and does his work, don't you believe this? Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Otherwise, notice, believe because of the works. So he did miracles. He healed people. So, so if you're having a hard time trying to really get a grip on what I'm saying, look at what I did. Again, the, the, the purpose of healings and miracles is in support of what he was saying, not the other way around. Definitely not. Jesus had a gospel ministry that was augmented by miracles. He didn't have a healings and miracles ministry that was augmented by the gospel. That's just totally backwards. The message of every single hearing miracle that comes from God is look at God. That's their whole purpose. Look how powerful God is. Give glory to God. Give glory and listen to the message of God. That's the purpose of healings and miracles that God brings. But these guys, these yahoos that are out there performing so-called miracles and healings all for the point of saying, look at me, those guys are false teachers. Shame on them. They're, they're, using, they're using the name of God and the things of God to promote themselves. And I will say very carefully, God will judge them. We would not want to be those guys, gals. So back to our list, the service gifts. We looked last time at the gifts of healing. Let's move on, even though we've been talking about it, we haven't discussed it fully, the, the gift of miracles there. We saw there in uh, verse, verse 10, the affecting of, affecting of miracles, as it's referred to there, the working of miracles. It's a support gift, miracles are, given to support the ministry of God's Word. To be a miracle, by definition, it has to be outside the natural order of things. There's a natural explanation for what happened. Even if it's a big thing, it's still not a miracle. A miracle is the reversal of, natural, of the natural order. It's injecting the supernatural into the natural. And when you do that, there's not an explanation for it. There's not a natural explanation for how God created in six days and rested on the seventh. That's a miracle, ladies and gentlemen. To, to seek a natural explanation of that, listen, is going against what, what it actually says. There's no, no, no explanation for it. It's supernatural. Parting the Red Sea, there's no natural explanation for it. It's supernatural. Raising some from the dead, against, that's going against the natural order. You live, and then you die, and you don't come back. That's the natural order. To reverse that order is, to be, is a supernatural thing. Jesus, of course, did that. His disciples did that. People in the Old Testament did that. But it is, it is, by definition, a supernatural thing. It is a miracle. Stopping the sun in mid-sky, Joshua, the book of Joshua. Miracle. Absolute miracle. It's not the natural order of things. That's what a miracle is. Uh, again, and, and be careful with this, uh, there are satanic counterfeits. Why? And very simply, because Satan is supernatural. Is he not? He's not natural. Well, I'm natural. You can see me. These pews are natural. The carpet's natural. And I can see all this. You can feel it. You can smell it. You can touch it. Satan is not any of those things. Neither is God. But again, if, if we're after only the supernatural, not necessarily God, Satan's happily, happy to oblige us. So, so don't just go after supernatural. Go after God. If God chooses, so chooses, to bring about the supernatural, a miracle in that process, good. All to his glory and it will work according to his will. But if we're looking for just the, just the miraculous, well, Satan's got that, and it won't be good. I'll remind you in the Old Testament book of Exodus, the magicians of Pharaoh did some of the same miracles that Moses did. It was not sleight of hand, it was not smoke and mirrors. They actually pulled it off. 
How do they do it? Satanically. Demonically. Don't be wowed by the supernatural. Be wowed by the things of God. And the only way we can know that is by studying the Scriptures, which, of course, that's what we're doing. So all this whole discussion about miracles and healings brings up, I think, an important question. And here it is, whether you've asked it or not. I know you're probably thinking this. Why do we not have miracles and healings like they did in the New Testament? In the days of the New Testament, and, and especially in the ministry of Jesus, there were miracles all the time. There was a proliferation of miracles and healings in the ministry of Christ, and they were, they were frequent in the ministry of, of the apostles and other, other New Testament uh, ministers. So, so why do we not have near the number of those things, healings and miracles, today? Well, some would say, here's, here's one, one opinion, some would say that it's because we are too carnal. In other words, we're not obedient. The church today is not obedient as they were back in that day. Now, I would say this, I would differ with that, by the way, on, on at least one level, because I'm preaching to you, teaching to you, we're learning about the gifts and miracles and healings among them and, and the proliferation of them in the Corinthian church. There is not a more carnal church in the Bible, and maybe ever, than the Corinthian church. The, the Baptist church of Corinth, if we can say that, Full of all kinds of a carnality. They, you've got a guy who's in full fellowship in the church, who is sleeping with his stepmom. Get other people at the Lord's Supper getting drunk on the wine that they're using. I can't think of more carnal stuff than that. It, so, so on the one hand, you lose the argument, if that's your argument, say, well, we're just too carnal today. If we were more holy, God would bring about more miracles and healings. And I would say, based upon what I have here, no. I'd also say this, just based upon the simple understanding, and we've already learned this, but we need to repeat it, apparently, of what a gift is. It's a grace, it's a charismata. It is a grace gift. Grace means getting something that you do not deserve. I can't be good enough to get it. I can't be bad enough to lose it. So the fact that God isn't bringing about healings and miracles doesn't have anything to do with what we're doing. It doesn't. Just simply by definition, it does not. By the definition of the church, where, where they were, they were a lot, apparently a lot of them in the Corinthian church. But they're not necessarily in our church and your church, and it's got nothing to do with our carnality. It's not to say that we shouldn't clean up our act, but we shouldn't expect that a revival in the church will also bring about miracles and healings. I'm just saying, as a careful examination. Because God gives his gifts as he so wills. It's a very simple answer. Why do we not have miracles like they did and, and healings like they did in the New Testament times? A simple, straightforward answer. You may not like it, but you're going to have to get over it. It's just simply this. The only answer to that question is that we don't see these miracles and healings as they did in those days because the Spirit has chosen not to give them to us. It's that simple. Because it tells us in verse 11, the Spirit gives them as He so wills. They're grace gifts. They've got nothing to do with our um, obedience they have everything to do with the choice of the Spirit. So we don't have a lot of miracles and healings, at least the numbers that they had in the New Testament times, because the Spirit has decided that He doesn't want that. It needs to be okay. It needs to be okay. He's, it's His church. We get to be a part of that. But it's His church. So, so workings and miracles. Let's go on to the next, the next uh, support gift or service gift. The distinguishing or discerning of spirits. 
uh, the, first of all, just, just as true in all gifts, we're all required to be discerning. We're all, decide, we're all required to be distinguishing, if you will, to be careful. You can't just say, oh, well, I'm not gifted in discernment, so I can just go and make a dumb decision. No, not at all. Right, here, notice First John. Speaking to the whole body, gifted and, un, and not so gifted. Uh, do not believe every spirit. That's true for you, true for me, whether I have a gift of discernment or not. But test the spirits and see whether they are from God, because many false prophets, this is not, a, again, what is a spirit? Well, I'm a spirit living in a body, so are you. What is a spirit? We, we think only demons and only angels, only the spirit of God. No, we are all collectively spirit. Some of us have physical bodies, human beings. When he says the Spirit, he's really talking about, no, and he qualifies it there, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. These are physical human beings, but they have a spirit living inside them, in some cases more than one, and nasty spirits who are teaching false things. He said, be discerning of these people. A person who comes and says they're of God, you need to be careful and test. How do we test them? By the Word of God. By the Word of God. So, so uh, there's a level of discernment that is incumbent upon all of us. But there is a giftedness of discernment or distinguishing spirits that is, that is God places as he so chooses upon some people. They are able to see it before there is any indication. Uh, beware of the satanic counterfeits of this. The gift of suspicion is not the gift of discernment. Say that again. The gift of suspicion, oh, her eyes are too close together, or I don't know. I don't like the way he looks, you know, or whatever. That's a gift of suspicion. That's not from God. A, a gift of discernment, like any other gift, a gift of any other gift, is dependent upon the surrender of the heart. A true gift, as it is true for all gifts, operates, is only beneficial to the body when the person is surrendered to Christ, following him faithfully. So, so I'm, not, I'm not too concerned about the giftedness of a person I am very concerned, in fact, my concern as a pastor is the surrender of the person. Are you following Christ? Are you a disciple of Christ? Are you surrendering your life, laying it down as sacrifice every single day so that Jesus can live through you? That's, that's, the, that's my goal as a pastor. That's my, my, my purpose while I'm teaching this, so that we will be surrendered to him. The gifts, he takes care of that. That's, he gives those, them as he so wills. The gift is not for independent use. They exist and operate only under full surrender. Uh, an immature Christian cannot contribute to the body. Just can't. Not much at all. Let's, let's use a farming analogy. Let's say you have a huge farm and you have a great number of sons. Which sons are going to work on the farm? The ones that are old enough to, right? You're not going to stick your two-year-old on the John Deere tractor to start plowing the fields. Or your five-year-old. Hardly, you're a 15-year-old. You're going to want a young man who has been underneath your teachings, who knows what to do, who is responsible and mature enough to handle that kind of machinery and that kind of responsibility. The same is true in the body of Christ. Just because a person is in the body doesn't mean they can contribute, especially if they're young. We have to be very careful about this. We make huge mistakes in the area, especially when it comes, as crazy as it sounds, Especially when it comes to leadership of our church. Here's, notice the, the requirements of an overseer. Here's an excerpt from that. This is 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 4 through 7. It's going to be there on your screen or here on your screen. An overseer, that's a person who does what I do, 
Must be one who manages his household well. Notice these are very practical things. I want you to notice as we read through there, it won't say anything about his giftedness. It won't say anything about it. he needs to be a good public speaker. He needs to have a good public... Well, it does say something about a public image. It doesn't say anything about him looking good on a billboard or, you know, I don't know what else crazy ideas that people have today. An overseer must be one who manages his own household well, keeping his children under control with all dignity. But if a man does not know how to manage his own household... I mean, he needs to learn, right? How, but he's not ready to leave the church of God. He's just not ready. Not mature enough. And not a new convert. Be careful of that. So that he will not become conceited and fall into condemnation occurred by the devil. He needs to be a person that has walked with God for a while. He needs to be a person that has gone through the trials and tribulations and the discipline that it takes to become a mature believer. Keep, that's just my interjecting my, my commentary. Let's, keep, let's, read, let's finish up the passage. He must have a good reputation with those outside the church so that he will not fall into disgrace and the snare of the devil. Because why? He's going to be in a position where that's going to be real tempting. So you want a person that this is not his first rodeo. He's, he's, lived, in a, he's lived a mature Christian life in a practical way in a non-leadership position, in, in the role of a father in his house. In the role of a worker in the world, people recognize him. That's a man of God. That's a person who listens to God. That's a person who honors God. He, he has walked in such a way of maturity, demonstrating the fruit of the Spirit. That person, that person, if God so chooses, is ready to be an overseer. The, again, there is no concern, nor is there a statement, anything at all, about his skill or giftedness. Notice, not in there. Not one time when we're talking about the deacons, the official leaders of the church, the deacons and the overseers in the Bible, does it talk to anything about their giftedness? I mean, we assume they're gifted, right? So notice what we're supposed to, we're supposed to pick mature people hoping that they're gifted, as opposed to the way churches do it today. We pick gifted people hoping they're mature, and we wonder why our leaders fall apart. It's telling us right here. We picked immature people, recent converts who fell into the trap of the devil and disgrace. That's the reason why we have such a big fallout among our ministers. The, the fault is definitely the minister. I mean, they made the decisions, but the fault is also the churches. We, we think and act just like the world. The world, they don't care what you look like. We don't care what you do with your background as long as you can sing really good or preach really good or whatever, speak really good. That is so foolish. This is not our church. It's the church of God. We pick mature people, believing that God's going to gift them. And we follow those people. We don't pick gifted people who lack maturity. Do not break that rule, or it will break you. It will break us. We make a massive mistake when we put gifted people who are not mature in the Lord in a position of leadership. Massive. Back to our whole discussion of the gift of discernment. When you see a believer who through time demonstrates that he or she can walk with the Lord, producing the fruit of the Spirit, demonstrating that they're surrendered to the Lord on a consistent basis. Hear me on this. And that person in a discerning situation says something ain't right, you better listen. You better listen. Because in every case in these gifts, 
This is God, through the Spirit, working in his body for the benefit of the whole body. Someone with a gift of discernment, mature believer, walking with the Lord, demonstrating the fruit of the Spirit, says, something's not right here. Listen! Listen! That person is not speaking from suspicion. That person is speaking from the Spirit of God that they are surrendered to, and they're ministering to you and to the body. In that case, in that position, they're the leader. We're all to be discerning. Some people are leaders in the issue of discernment. We're all to be teachers. Some people are leaders in the issues of teaching. Some people are, are uh, service. Some people are leaders. We're all to serve. Some people are leaders in that service. Again, we, the, the, the giftedness becomes the leadership given, given the right situation. And we submit to that because we recognize that it's not us. It's not our ability. It's not our training. It's not our education. It's ultimately the Spirit of God resting on us, enabling us to be all that God has called us to do. Again, all these supporting gifts to support the ultimate goal, which is to reach people and teach them the truth so that they will come to faith in Christ, be converted, be transformed from a child of Satan into a child of God, which is the ultimate miracle. You want to talk about miracles? That's the miracle right there, for sure. So thanks for your time. Lots to, lots to, to uh, digest, and so we're going to do that. We're going to get on to our next gifts the next time we're together. It's taking longer than I thought, but we need to take time to make sure these are explained properly. So let's pray together and be dismissed. God, thank you for uh, gifting your body. Thank you for ministering to us through the body of Christ. Help us to recognize the giftedness in each one of us. Help us to take the responsibility on ourselves to be mature, uh, to grow. Help us to be careful not to push forward those who are immature, who uh, we put them so high up, there's nowhere to fall, there's nowhere to go except down for them. God, forgive us for doing that. Help us to be careful with that. Thank you, God, for teaching us. Thank you that you guide your church into all truth. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for visiting. Find us at www.islandbaptistchurch.org.